Take your Bibles and turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 10. 2 Corinthians 10. <clears throat> you know, uh, the last, last two songs, the one we just heard and uh, the one that we sang, is talking about prayer. Um, I can't speak for anybody else, but I can speak for myself. And I think other folks are struggling with the same things. I think, uh, you know, you see what's going on in our country right now, and that bothers you, it concerns you. Uh, and I understand that that is going to be one of the major topics of, of conversation right now. I, I understand that. But uh, let's not talk about these things and not pray about these things. Um, you know, we have a tendency as God's people to spend a lot of time talking and very little time praying. And then we wonder why things get worse. Well, we have not petitioned our God to intervene. And uh, uh, I'd like to see our, our city safe. I'd like to see our city spared. Um, you know, I, I can't, I, again, I don't know what the rest of God's people in this, in this uh, city are going to do. But uh, I would like to encourage Freedom Baptist Church uh, individuals and families to, to be in prayer. Pray for our city. Pray for our state. Pray for our country. And pray, pray that God will open doors. And we had, a, we had a, a call last night from someone wanting to know if we were having services. We had somebody come to our doors last week. Uh, asking if, uh, if they could come in for the service and so forth. So, you know, uh, the needs are popping up. They really are popping up. So just, just pray. Uh, pray for those things and then make sure, we need to make sure that our hearts are right. Again, uh, I'm the first to admit it. I've, I've had some struggles. I've had, you know, I, there, there have been uh, concerns. There's been fear. There's been anger, and that's been wrong, and I, I admit it. I've confessed it to God as such. Uh, but uh, uh, we need to, I think prayer is one of the things. Uh, in fact, I was explaining some of the struggles I was having to my wife this morning on the way. She says, well, have you, have you prayed about it? I says, yeah, I have. Uh, and, you know, I'm thankful I got a wife who, who brings that kind of stuff up and is concerned. Uh, about it and knows what the answer is okay uh, sometimes our, our emotions get really wild be simply because we've not spent time talking to the one who can fix the problem and uh, we'd rather talk about the problem than see it fixed sometimes really so so let me just encourage you to up your prayer life a little bit these next few weeks and particularly these next few days 2 Corinthians chapter 10 is where we're going to be this morning, and I'd like you all to stand if you would. This is something God's been working on my heart about, uh, for about two or three weeks. And um, I asked him when I, could, when I could preach on this subject, and he gave me permission today. So we're going, to, we're going to dive into it. 2 Corinthians chapter 10, and as we stand in honor to God's word, let's uh, read. You read silently as I read aloud, starting in verse 12 down through the end of the chapter. For we dare not make ourselves of the number or compare ourselves with some that commend themselves, but they measuring themselves by themselves and comparing themselves among themselves are not wise. But we will not boast of things without our measure, but according to the measure of the rule, 
which God hath distributed to us, a measure to reach even unto you. For we stretch not ourselves beyond our measure, as though we reach not unto you. For we are come as far as to you also in preaching the gospel of Christ. Not, not boasting of things without our measure, that is, of other men's labors, but having hope when your faith is increased that we shall be enlarged by, by you according to our rule abundantly to preach the gospel in the regions beyond, beyond you and not to boast in another man's line of things made ready to our hand. But he that glorieth, let him glory in the Lord. For not he that commendeth himself is approved, but whom the Lord commendeth. Let's bow our heads for prayer. Father, uh, as we look at these verses of Scripture this morning, very important verses, particularly having to do with comparing ourselves among ourselves. And God, I pray that uh, you would give us, give us wisdom this morning from your book. Uh, Lord, you've got a warning to us, and then you've got uh, some instructions, some things that we can do to make sure that we don't fall into this trap. We ask God that you'd give us ears to hear this morning. And uh, Lord, I, I, again, you know, Lord, I, I'm, the older I get, the more I'm convinced without you, I can do nothing. And I know your scripture says that. I've known it for years. But the, the, the uh, older I get, the more I see how strong and able you are and how feeble and weak I am. And so, Lord, uh, please uh, give me the, the clarity of mind. Give me the words. Give me, Lord, the heart. And uh, may there be nothing in Dave Dunbar that would, that would hinder this message. Uh, God, I pray that you would come forth through this message and that your spirit would work in our hearts with your word, and we'll be careful to thank you and praise you for what you do. In Jesus' name we pray. All God's people said, amen, amen, amen. amen. You may be seated. You need to understand what kind of a church that uh, he's writing to. He's writing to a church that was uh, really fighting worldliness, and, and this, is the second, this is the second epistle, the second letter to the Corinthians. The first one, he started out right in the first three chapters talking about the fact that there was strife, there was division between them, um, and, and there were people that were saying, I am of Paul. And so, uh, others said, well, you may be of Paul, but I'm of Apollos. And then others says, well, you may be of Paul and Apollos, but I'm of Christ. And, and uh, all this stuff was going on. And there was, there, there was a, a, a lot of contention within the church, a lot of worldliness. Well, he addressed a lot of that. And then you come to 2 second, second Corinthians, and he addresses some other things. And then he even goes back to some of those, some of those same things that were problems beforehand. And uh, one, of the, one of the things that he, that he hits is found in verse 12. Read that with me again, if you would. It says, For we dare not make ourselves of the number, or compare ourselves with some that commend themselves, but they, measuring themselves by themselves, and comparing themselves among themselves, are not wise. Now, what he's doing, what God's doing here, is giving a warning to the church. And he's saying, listen, uh, I, I need to warn you, you've got some attitudes that are wrong. And you need to be careful of those attitudes. And that, 
that in this verse, that warning is a threefold warning. First of all, he tells them, don't commend yourself. Don't commend yourself. To commend means to praise or to highly regard. Uh, someone else ought to be doing the praising if, if it's done at all. It should never be us. I don't know what you used to call it uh, and what I still call it, but uh, what I call it is bragging. <laughs> you know, just bragging. Just, uh, uh, you know, or, or we use some new terms now. He thinks he's all that in a bag of chips or, you know, whatever. Uh, those, are, those are the kind of terms. But, you know, we, we need to be careful about bringing attention to ourselves. And the bottom line is, is that one of the reasons why that's so important is it's not about us. It's about the Lord Jesus Christ. And he's the one that should be lifted up in all, in all things. Proverbs 27, 2 says, Let another man praise thee, and not thine own mouth. Don't let praises of yourself or bringing attention to yourself come out of your mouth. It's always wrong. It's always sin. It says, A stranger, and not thine own lips. Self-commendation is nothing, nothing more than pride. It's just, just flat pride. And pride causes all kinds of problems. I've, I've just picked out just a, a few verses from the book of Proverbs that addresses this thing of pride. And uh, Proverbs 8.13 says, The fear of the Lord is to hate evil, pride, and arrogancy. And the evil way and the froward mouth do I hate. Notice he puts pride and arrogancy together. And when we, when we fall into those, those attitudes, uh, we fall into something that God himself says that he hates. Proverbs 11, verse 2 says, When pride cometh, then cometh shame, but with a lowly is wisdom. You know, we are living in a, in a dark time. We're living in a confused time. Um, in, in my lifetime, the closest I've seen to what's going on right now was in the latter part of the 60s. When, uh, when uh, I remember going to the breakfast table and, and seeing a, a picture in the, in the front page of the paper of a, college, a female college student bent over the, the uh, body of, a, uh, one, of her, one of her colleagues and uh, from what I, if I remember correctly, that student was dead, and she was crying, and she was weeping. <clears throat> uh, I remember cities being burned, just like they are now, uh, back, back during that time. And it was, I, I remember as a kid, uh, it, was a, it was a scary time. I was a teenager at the time, and uh, it, was, it was a fearful time. But... Uh, uh, when, when pride cometh, then cometh shame, but with the lowly is wisdom. Boy, if there's anything we need today, what you need and what I need, we need to have wisdom. If any man lack wisdom, the Bible says, let him ask of God which giveth to all men liberally and upbraideth not. But the, the prerequisite to that is you've got to be humble, you've got to be lowly and not prideful. Um, Proverbs chapter 13 and verse 10 says, only by pride cometh contention, but with the well-advised is wisdom. When the pride starts rising, the battles start up. Um, you know, there, there's all kinds of violence breaking out. 
Can I tell you something? Pride is at the forefront of that thing. And, and I'm, not, I'm, not, you know, I'm not talking about any particular side of the issue. If there is contention, there is always pride, because my Bible says only by pride cometh contention. Proverbs chapter 28, verse 25. He that is of a proud heart stirreth up strife. Uh, when we are, when when we have a proud heart, uh, we start commending ourselves, and that oftentimes, in and of itself, will just will cause jealousy, will cause envy, will cause difficulties and problems. Uh, Proverbs chapter 16 and verse 5 says, "Everyone that is proud in heart is an abomination to the Lord." Well, that kind of puts a capstone on it, doesn't it? Everyone, you know, I, I, I've, I've listened to, I've even listened to uh, save people try to, try to uh, uh, give reasons why it's okay to be proud. Uh, I'll never forget when, when, uh, when uh, uh, 9/11 took place, and uh, there, there got, there came some bumper stickers came out. And the bumper sticker said, said uh, uh, proud to be an American. And uh, some of our folks picked up those bumper stickers. And they put them on the back of their car. And they crossed out pride and put thankful <laughs> to be an American. I like that. That's good. It's, I, I, don't, I don't care what it's over. I don't care what it's about. You find me one place, just one. One will do it. You find me one place in this book where pride is spoken of in a positive manner. It's never spoken of positively. Now, uh, what should I be if I'm not proud? Then I ought to be thankful. I ought to be thankful. You see, what that does is that takes the spotlight off of me and puts it back on the, the one who makes all things happen. And it puts it back on God. So everyone that is proud in heart is an abomination to the Lord. That is, there's no exceptions to that. Then James chapter 4 and verse 6 says, God resisteth the proud, but giveth grace to the humble. Now, as we said before, you know, we need wisdom in these days. I'll tell you what, we also need, we need grace. We need power. We need strength. That's what grace is. It's God's supernatural power. It's God's supernatural strength. It's God's, God's ability to get us through the tough times. And uh, uh, James chapter 4 and verse 6 tells us that God resisteth the proud. Listen, that's not a good side to be on, okay? <laughs> you, you, never, you never win when you, try to, when, when you try to resist God and God's resisting you. Uh, that's, that's not the winning side. But it says, but giveth grace unto the humble. And uh, there's no humility when, when pride is, is present. So don't, don't measure yourself by those who commend themselves either. You know, you, you may look at someone else and they're commending them, themselves and you say, well, I'm better than that. That's wrong too, okay? Uh, you know, uh, you, 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 you need to, to focus on the one who has made everything possible for you. I've, I found that when I keep my heart set on my God, Rather than on me and rather than, than, than on others, I, I have the right, the right attitude and it sets me straight. So that's the first warning. Don't commend yourself. Second warning, don't measure yourself by yourself. 
Well, if you think about it, that just makes sense. You know, you shouldn't be your own measuring stick. Uh, the churches in, in uh, Revelation chapter 2 and 3, and you don't need to turn there right now, but, but the churches in Revelation 2 and 3, there's seven of them mentioned. There are seven churches in Asia. They, they measured themselves in a manner different than what God did. Uh, many of them thought they were doing well. And uh, God says, no, 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 you're not doing well. I, I, there's a problem. For instance, in, in Ephesus, uh, the church at Ephesus was a good church. It was a good church. It was a doctrinally sound church. It was a church that was doing something for God. And what did God say? And, and I'm sure they thought, you know, probably at the time, man, we're, you know, we're doing what God wants us to do. And yet when God addressed him, addressed them he said i have somewhat against thee because thou hast left thy first love their actions were right but their heart had left and their heart for god had left uh, when he addresses smyrna this is a, a situation in reverse they were a very poor church they were a suffering church and I imagine there were some people in that church that were probably struggling, saying, man, we must not be doing anything right because the whole thing just seems to be falling apart. But to Smyrna, he said uh, that they had poverty, but God saw them as rich. He says, you are poor. He says, but, but, but I see that you're rich. Well, they weren't rich in money but they were rich in spirituality, and they, they didn't even see it. There, and by the way, there was no rebuke given to that church. Then in, in the church of Pergamos, uh, again, he says, I have a few things against thee. The church at Thyatira, same thing. I have a few things against thee. The church at Sardis, I have not found thy works perfect before God. And, and again, uh, Good possibility these churches were just going along, you know, on cruise control, thought things were, were fine. And then God comes along and knocks on their heart's door and says, mm -mm -mm -mm. See, what the problem comes in is when we look at what we're doing from a human standpoint rather than allowing God to look at it from a divine standpoint and correct us when we're wrong. All of those churches had a problem, had a difficulty, and God had to bring it out to them. Then there's another church, the, the sixth church that he addresses. And this one, there's no rebuke either. It's the church at Philadelphia. And he says, I have set before thee an open door. He gave them opportunities and, and, and uh, possibilities of ministry that uh, others did not have. And again, there was, there was no rebuke there. And then the last church was the church at Laodicea. Well, the Laodicean church thought they were rich, and they were. They were rich with goods. But then God said that they were wretched, miserable, poor, blind, and naked. That blind one. You know, uh, I think that, that indicates that they had no clue that that's their, that was their state. They thought they were in good standing. They thought they were doing right. Why? Because they measured themselves among themselves. They measured themselves by themselves. And it's interesting to note that the, the two churches that got no rebuke but got nothing but commendation 
was the church at Smyrna and the church at Philadelphia. I, I was checking it out again this morning, and those two churches, the, well, two cities anyway, were about, are about 70 miles apart. That's not very far, really. That's, that's basically, what, from here to pretty much here to Rochester. Uh, that's about how, how far apart they were. And, uh, and yet, they both pleased God. There was no rebuke to either one of them. But one was going gangbusters. <laughs> there were all kinds of opportunities. People were getting saved and everything. Other folks were under persecution. Things were falling apart, but they were staying faithful. You say, well, which, which church was, was more successful? Which church pleased God more? Both of them. Both of them. And this is why it's so dangerous to compare ourselves with ourselves or to compare ourselves among ourselves because, because uh, the, the standard is not us. The standard is Jesus Christ. And none, none, of, none of us here today, and those of you that are, that are watching this morning, none of us are the standard. Christ is the standard. Keep your finger here and go with me. Go, go uh, toward the back of the book a little bit. You've got uh, 2 Corinthians, then uh, Galatians, and Ephesians. Ephesians is where I want you to go. Ephesians 4. Ephesians chapter 4, verses 12 through 16. Ephesians 4.12 says, For the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ, till we all come in the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God unto a perfect man, unto the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. Not you, not me, not some other human measurement, but Christ is the measurement. Verse 14, that we henceforth be no more children tossed to and fro, carried about with every wind of doctrine by the slight of men and cunning craftiness, whereby they lie in wait to deceive. But speaking the truth in love may grow up into him in all things, which is the head, even, even Christ, from whom the whole body fitly joined together and compacted by that which every joint supplieth, according to the effectual working in the measure of every part, maketh increase, of the body unto the edifying of itself in love. What's the, what was the standard? The standard is Christ. And that's why it tells us over in the book of, of Hebrews, it says, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. When we start looking to ourselves, our, our vision's off, our measurement's off. So, so don't, don't uh, compare yourself with yourself. And then, then the third warning that he gives in that verse in verse 12 of 2 Corinthians chapter 10, is don't compare yourself among yourselves. Comparing themselves among themselves, he says, we're not wise. Uh, don't compare yourself with others uh, in order to, and there's different ways that we do this. Uh, first of all, we do it in order to make ourselves feel good. And of course, the ones that we compare ourselves with are those that we think are inferior to us. And so we compare ourselves with, with those that make us feel good about ourselves. We pick those that we feel that are inferior in order to justify uh, where we are in the Christian life or where we fall short or where we sin. Um, we say things like this. Of all people, you ought to know better. Boy, I've heard that. 
My kids have heard that. <laughs> you know, they have, they have the wonderful privilege or the terrible curse, depending upon which way you look at it and what time of day it is, uh, to, to, to be preacher's kids. And, uh, and, the, and the, the, you know, folks have, in fact, I, I got privy of some of that stuff. Some of it I, I, I heard, you know, over the years. Some of it I didn't hear till afterwards. Can I tell you something? And I don't say this with any glee. But the folks that make comments like that, in most cases, their, their, their own kids are a mess today. I don't like that. Comparing themselves among themselves, they were not wise. You know, we say, well, I know I've got my problems, but at least I'm not like, and you can fill in the blank. And you might have just had three or four names just flash in there. Uh, but, uh, but, but the truth is, is whenever we do that, that is unwise. Uh, uh, don't, don't compare yourselves with others to make yourself feel good. Don't compare yourself with others and feel bad. That's not wise either. Uh, which, whichever way that thing flops, uh, it's, it's, just not, it's just not wise to do. Comparing yourself with others is just not good. It, it, is it okay to follow someone's example? Sure. Yeah, that's Bible. Paul said, be followers of me, even as I also am of Christ. That's not a problem, but don't, but don't, start, don't start doing the comparison thing. Uh, take your Bibles and turn with me to Matthew chapter 25. Matthew 25. I want you to turn there because I want you to see this with me. Start with me in verse uh, 14. This is Christ giving the uh, Olivet Discourse, and, he's, and in the discourse, he, he tells the parable of, of the, the, uh, the, the servants and the talents. It says, For the kingdom of heaven is as a man traveling into a far country, who called his own servants and delivered unto them his goods. And unto one he gave five talents, to another two, and to another one, to every man according to his several ability, and straightway took his journey. Then he that had received the five talents went and traded with the same, and made them other five talents. And likewise, he that had received two, he also gained other two. But he that had received one went and digged in the earth, and hid his Lord's money. After a long time, the Lord of those servants cometh and reckoneth with them. And so he that had received five talents came and brought other five talents, saying, Lord, thou deliverest unto me five talents. Behold, I have gained beside them five talents more. His Lord said unto him, Well done, thou good and faithful servant. Thou hast been faithful over a few things. I will make thee ruler over many things. Enter thou into the joy of thy Lord. He also that had received two talents came and said, Lord, thou deliverest unto me two talents. Behold, I have gained two other talents beside them. His Lord said unto him, Well done, good and faithful servant. Thou hast been faithful over a few things. I will make thee ruler over many things. Enter thou into the joy of thy Lord. Then he which had received the one talent came and said, Lord, I knew thee that thou art an hard man reaping where thou hast not sown and gathering 
where thou hast not strawed. And I was afraid, and went and hid thy talent in the earth. Lo, there thou hast that is thine. His Lord answered and said unto him, Thou wicked and slothful servant, thou knewest that I reap where I sowed not, and gather where I have not strawed. Thou oughtest therefore to have put my money to the, to the exchangers, and then at my coming I should have received mine own with usury. Take therefore the talent from him, and give it unto him which hath ten talents. For unto every one that hath, shall be given, and he shall have abundance, but from him that hath not shall be taken away even that which he hath. And cast ye the unprofitable servant into outer darkness, there shall be weeping and gnashing of teeth. By the way, I was just thinking of this when I was reading the parable. That's pretty much an anti-socialist uh, parable right there. Because the guy that only had one, it was taken from him instead of from the guy that had ten down to the guy who had one. Anyway, just kind of interesting. But uh, the man, the man with, that was given five talents gained five talents. The man with two talents uh, gained two talents. He didn't gain five. But you know what? He wasn't expected to gain five. Because he was only given two. So he, he gained the two. The, the man with one gained nothing because he did nothing with what he had. Now again, if you compare yourself among yourself in that parable, the, the guy with, with uh, five says, well, man, I'm more of a success than anybody else here. No, you're not more of a success than the guy with two because he, he got two and he duplicated it. You got five and you duplicated it. What are you doing with what you've got? What are you doing with what God has given to you? And the, the whole, one of the thrusts of the whole thing is that the guy that got the one talent did nothing. He was a bum. He was slothful. And his Lord saw that. By the way, it's interesting, uh, but the, the guy who did nothing, do you notice what his viewpoint of, uh, of his Lord is? He's saying that, that he is uh, uh, difficult, that he's hard, uh, and, and so forth. Uh, those other two fellows, the five and the two, that saw their, their efforts duplicated, uh, they didn't have that kind of attitude. They didn't have that kind of attitude at all. They didn't look at, at, at their Lord as, uh, as a hard man. Uh, when, when looking at others, don't just look at where they are at the moment. Realize that everyone's been given different talents. Everyone's been given diff different abilities to compare yourselves among yourselves. You're not wise. But when you, when you look at others, you need to look at where they are. And where did they come from? Consider, consider where they started. Uh, you know, sometimes we're critical of folks. I, I know you don't ever have that problem, but I, I, I fall into that from time to time. And, and, uh, and I, I get critical of folks, and I forget what they used to be like. I forget how big of a pit God took them out of. Uh, I forget the, the, the struggles that they had. Consider where they started from and how far they've come. Consider the baggage they had when they got started. You know, uh, there are some folks that have more baggage than others. 
I, I, you know, I've, I've watched over the years, I've watched folks coming from, get saved, and they get, but they get saved out of a real religious home. And the whole family rejects them. I've seen that. I've, I've seen that here, not just in foreign countries. I've seen it in America. I've seen it in New York State. And, uh, you know, I, I've watched some, some families practically disown somebody or for sure discredit them because they trusted Christ as Savior. Consider the baggage. Some, some, folks, some folks come from a deeper life of sin than others do. Well, when they do, uh, they've got more to deal with. Well, be patient with them. You know, when we compare ourselves among ourselves, we don't do that. We don't, we don't consider these things. Uh, consider the obstacles they have had to deal with, the handicaps, the resistance. Uh, you might have had it real easy. And the truth of the matter is, maybe you should be a whole lot further along than you are. And the reason, one of the reasons why we like to compare ourselves among ourselves, because sometimes it just makes us, makes us look better, when in reality, we're not doing what we should be doing. Consider the blessings and the benefits they had or have. They, you know, they, they might have, you know, I, I've seen folks that come from a life of sin and, and, and have made a lot of mistakes. I mean, we all come from a life of sin, okay? But I mean, where they dug, dug themselves a hole, they got, you know, I, I, I used, I, I, I've used this illustration. It used to be back 30 years ago when someone got saved in their 20s or 30s, they uh, had excess baggage. They had... Uh, two suitcases, an overnight case, and a trunk. Uh, now, uh, when they get saved in, in that age range, they don't just have suitcases, man. They got, they got three Mayflowers and a, and a, <laughs> three Mayflowers and a U-Haul. Uh, there's all kinds of bad. All right, well, cut them some slack, will you? I mean, if, if, they, if they go from that and two years later they're a, they're a eh, fairly good Christian. Praise God, man. They've at least come that far, you know? So, so, so be careful. Uh, comparing ourselves among ourselves, we, we, we are not wise. Now, God gives us three ways to measure ourselves properly and to measure our service for God. And we find this in verses 13 down through the end of the chapter. Look with me in verses 13 and 14. Verse 13 says, but we will not boast of things without our measure, but according to the measure of the rule which God hath distributed to us, uh, a measure to reach even unto you. For we stretch not ourselves beyond our measure, or though we reach not unto you, for we are come as far as to you also in preaching the gospel of Christ. The, question, the first question we, you need to ask yourself is, are you doing what God wants you to do with what God has given you? Forget everybody else. What does God want you to do? What has God given you as far as benefits, equipment, uh, abilities, talents? Uh, you know, I, I can't tell you what God wants you to do. Uh, but but I should know what he wants me to do. Uh, it's not my responsibility 
to tell you what God's will is for your life. But it is my responsibility to know what it is that God would, would have me to do. Uh, we're all different. We all have different abilities. We all have different gifts. You know, again, like the, like the talent parable, the guy with, with uh, two was not expected to perform like the guy with five. The guy with one, you know, you say, well, man, he got all over him. It's not because he didn't produce like number five, like the guy with five. Uh, it's because he didn't produce at all. He did nothing with what he had. And, and there are times when there are folks that have been given all kinds of talents and abilities, and they're just sitting on them for God. They're not doing anything with them. You know, with what talents and abilities? You know, that's why when I, see, when I see a kid, I see one of our, our, our uh, young people in our church, and, and uh, I go to a piano recital. I love, I, I didn't used to, but I do now. I love going to our piano recitals around here uh, because I, I get the opportunity to watch a bunch of our kids who've, who have learned something about music, and some of them, man, they get into it. Oh, I like it. It's, it's, it's exciting. However, if you're one of those kids, let me ask you something. What are you doing with it? What are you doing with it for Jesus? Oh, you do, do a good job on the recital. How about for Jesus? How about an offertory? How about a special? Uh, how about something where, you know, you're just doing it for God? You said, well, I'm scared to death. Hey, join the club. <laughs> join the club. Uh, there's, there, there's, not, there's not a time when I don't come behind this pulpit with a little bit of butterflies in my, my stomach. And, there's, and believe it or not, even when there's nobody in front of me, well, not nobody, but almost nobody, that's a real compliment to you folks, isn't it? Anyway, <laughs> to the handful that are here, that's a real compliment. But anyway, um, the, the idea is, is that God has given you something. You know, you say, well, I don't have much. Well, you got at least one talent. I don't know what it is, but you got it. Uh, you might have five talents. You might have two talents. You might have 120 talents. You might have uh, 15 abilities. You might only have one ability. Okay, that's not the question. The question is, what are you doing with it? You know, Paul said, look, you know, we did the best that we could with what we had, and we even came to you folks, speaking to the folks at Corinth. He said, listen, we came to you. We spent time with you, and we ministered to you. Um, we're all different. Uh, take, your, take your Bibles and turn with me to keep your finger here. Go to Romans chapter 12. Romans chapter 12. Romans chapter 12, verses 3 through 8 says, For I say through the grace given unto me to every man that is among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think. Again, the same thing that we're looking at this morning. But to think soberly, according as God hath dealt to every man the measure of faith. For as we have many members in one body, and all members have not the same office, so we being many are one body in Christ, and every one members one of another, having them gifts. And by the way, we all have them. We all have at least one spiritual gift and other physical and mental abilities that God's endowed us with. If you're saved, God has given you a spiritual gift 
to serve him. And, and here's the list. Having then gifts, verse 6, differing according to the grace that is given to us, whether prophecy, let us prophesy according to the proportion of faith, or ministry, let us wait on our ministering, or he that teacheth on teaching, or he that exhorteth on exhortation, he that giveth, let him do it with simplicity, he that ruleth with diligence, he that showeth mercy with cheerfulness. In other words, God's given you something. First of all, do you know what he gave you? And do you know what you're dealing with? And then secondly, what are you doing with it? Uh, 1 Corinthians chapter, chapter 4. Look there with me, if you would. Just one verse. 1 Corinthians chapter 4. And it's an easy verse. Verse 2. It says, Moreover, it is required of st in stewards that a man be found faithful. That's what God's looking for. He's just looking for you to be faithful. Faithful to him and faithful with what he has given you. Are, are, you, know, are, are you obeying his will for your life? Are you doing what God expects of you to do? And, and again, uh, we're all different. And God, God works with us differently. Now, when it comes to right and wrong, the standards are the same for all of us. Okay? But when it comes to talents and abilities, and when it comes to what God would have you to do with your life, you know, honestly, in a lot of ways, it's kind of like a fingerprint. It's different. You know? Uh, there's, really, there's really no two alike. Uh, you know, they, there may be two that are similar, but they're, none of them are identical. Why is that? Because God understands that you're an individual and he wants to use you to your fullest. He gave it all to you. He didn't give it to you to sit on. He didn't give it to you to bury it. He gave it to you to use it. Go to 1 Thessalonians 5. Here's an example. And because it says it's the will of God, this is for all of us. So I can, I can say that it's, it's God's will for all of us to do these three things. Look in verse 16. It says, rejoice evermore. Now there's a verse to memorize. Amen? You can, get, you can get that one down. Next one's pretty easy too. Pray without ceasing. And then in verse 18, in everything give thanks for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. God wants everyone to rejoice. He wants everyone to pray. And he wants everyone to to uh, uh, give thanks for everything, or in, in, all, in everything, in, in all things. Uh, how you doing? How you doing just with a giving thanks the, and, and, and the rejoicing and the praying? Something we can all do. And God expects us to, to, uh, to do that which is, is pleasing in his eyes. Look with me to Romans 14. And this is the... This is, Really the crux of the matter. Romans 14. And look down with me, if you would, in verse 12. It says, so then every one of us shall give account of himself to God. Just like those guys with the talents. Every one of us someday is going to give account. We're going to give account for what we have. We're not going to give account for what we don't have. 
You know, we compare ourselves among ourselves and we say, well, I'm not like so-and-so. No, you're not, but you're like you. And what are you doing with you? What are you doing with what God gave you? Go back with me to 2 Corinthians chapter 10. The second thing that we can do in order to please the Lord and avoid comparing ourselves among ourselves and uh, have the right measure is verses 15 through 17. It says, not boasting of things without our measure, that is of other men's labors, but having hope when your faith is increased that we shall be enlarged by you according to our rule abundantly to preach the gospel in the regions beyond you and not to boast in another man's line of things um, made, made ready to our hand. But he that glorieth, let him glory in the Lord. Are you doing all that you are able to do? And is God glorified? Is God getting the honor and is God getting the glory? You know, uh, one, of the, one of the things that, that helps me uh, with uh, getting the right measure is studying church history. Not so that I can compare myself with them, but so that I can see what other people have done and that those other people can challenge me to do more with what I have. An example of this is a guy, he, he was born in 1824, and he died in 1907. What was he, 83 years old, something like that? Anyway, um, uh, yeah, 83 years old. And uh, he, uh, his name was John Patton. John Patton, oh, by the way, John Patton was Scottish. Just thought I'd throw that in. Uh, I think that's the reason why he, you know, he was given so much just because he was born in Scotland. Anyway, uh, <laughs> My, my heritage is Scottish, so forgive me. But uh, he, he became a missionary to the New Hebrides Islands in, in the South Pacific. And the people that he went to were cannibals. And he went, he went there in 1858. He was in, in, I believe, his 30s when he went there. And uh, uh, he was warned before he went. He said, listen... John, don't go there. They're cannibals. They will eat you. They will eat you. Now, uh, he trained for 10 years uh, before that as a, as a city missionary in Glasgow. And the, the, the mission was, was, was great. And they reached a lot of people for Christ. Two missionaries preceded him to go minister uh, on those islands. The two missionaries that preceded him as within minutes of landing on the island that they landed on, they were eaten. They were captured, they were, they were, they were cooked, and they were eaten by cannibals. And that's the situation that he walked into. Uh, he spent four years on the first island, and the people weren't very receptive. Uh, they probably were walking around a lot with knives and forks. And he says, well, I guess maybe it's time to leave. Uh, and, and looking at them with a glimmer in their eye. Uh, it, they, he spent the rest of his time in another, on another island called Anawa, the island of Anawa. While he was in Anawa, he got malaria. While he was in Anawa, he was, he was married, he had two children, he buried all three of them. They died. At the end of his ministry in Anawa, every single adult on the island 
had professed Christ as Savior. Whoa. Say, is that the standard for me? No, that's not the standard for you or for me. But he did the best with what he had, and look what it produced. Whoa. Wow. I, I, you know, I, I don't know of any situation like that uh, where somebody goes somewhere and every single adult professes Jesus Christ as Savior, but that's what happened with John Patton. Don't, don't, don't glory in your service that you're able to do. Don't glory in, res, in your results. Don't glory in your abilities, but instead glory in the Lord. 1 Corinthians chapter 10 and verse 31 says, uh, whether therefore ye eat or drink or whatsoever ye do, do all to the glory of God. Do all to the glory of God. And when, when you do get praise from others, let another man praise thee and not thine own mouth, a stranger and not thine own lips. Uh, when that does take place, don't keep it. Deflect it. Give it to God. It's, it's God who gives the increase. It's not you. It's not your efforts. It's your God who has done it. So give him the credit, give him the honor, and give him the glory. Third thing that we can do to have the right measure is uh, look with me back to 2 Corinthians chapter 10 and verse 18. For, it says, For not he that commendeth himself is approved, but whom the Lord commendeth. Just ask yourself this question. Is your life and your service for God approved of by him? If, you, if, if the rapture was to take place right now, I mean, and that'd be okay with me, okay? Uh, it ought to be okay with you, whether you're right with God or not. It, it's just, it'd be, as far if you're saved anyway, uh, it ought to be good with you. But uh, when you see him for the first time face to face, if it happened right now, what would he say? Would he say, well done, thou good and faithful servant? Or would you have to, do what Peter did when he saw the Lord uh, when he was taken in for trial and he was warming his hands by the fire and their, their glances met and Peter went out and wept bitterly. You know, uh, does God commend you? You know, the bottom line with this whole thing is, is God pleased with our lives? Is God pleased with your, with your motives? Is God pleased with your attitude? Is God pleased with your life? Is God pleased with your service? Is God pleased with your effort? Uh, we exist, we're here today, and you're there today for one purpose. You're there to please God. We're here to please him. We exist for his pleasure. So three, three quick questions. Are you doing God's will with what he's equipped with you with to the best of your ability? Number two, are you glorifying the Lord with your life and with your efforts? Does he get the honor and he get the glory? And secondly, are you commended right now of God? Let's bow our heads for prayer. Father, we're thankful.
for the strong warning and admonition that you give to us and also for the instruction that you give us in righteousness in your word. Lord, uh, this comparison thing can cause envy, can cause strife, can cause bitterness, can cause all kinds of things. And Lord, we fall into that trap way too often because our measure's wrong. It's not whether we measure up to each other or even if we measure up to ourselves, it's do we measure up to the standard that you have for our life. Lord, uh, all of us have sinned and come short of the glory of God, so we don't measure up to you per se, but Lord, you have expectations. You have expectations for every young person within the sound of my voice. You've got expectations for every parent within the sound of my voice. You have expectations for every single person, for every older person, and for anybody in between. Uh, Lord, the uh, question is, are we commended of you? Do you look down and say, well done, with a smile on your face? Or do you call us lazy? Do you call us slothful? Because we're not doing much of anything with what you've given to us. Whether we've been given little or whether we've been given a lot, God, you expect some things from us. And uh, Lord, the, the exciting thing is you always give us the grace and the ability to get done. You never give us an order that you don't fill, that you don't give us strength for. God, work in hearts this morning. God, that I realize there's a possibility there could be someone watching this broadcast this morning that's not, not saved. They don't know for sure. If they died today, they go to heaven. Well, uh, they've been given a chance. And what they do with that chance means everything. They've given a, been given a chance to realize they're a sinner on their way to hell. And the only way they can go to heaven is by throwing themselves at your mercy and ask for forgiveness of all their sins and you'll give them eternal life. God, I pray that they would not waste the opportunity that you've given to them to trust you as Savior and to do so today. God, please bless this invitation. Have your will and way in hearts and lives. And we ask God that we would do business with you and mean business with you during this time. For it's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. Let's all stand together.